podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Looking for a new career? Welcome to Do HVAC Training Service Center in North Charleston. Enroll today in our comprehensive HVAC training hands-on field experience-based program covering troubleshooting, maintenance, installation, and more on various HVAC systems and ductwork. We offer EPA and NAPE preparation and testing along with various certifications. Enjoy payment options. Take advantage of their November specials. Achieve certification in under five months. Enroll now for your new journey of skill development and career advancement. Log on to DEWH HVACTrainingSC.com to inquire. Welcome to the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast where Carlos Sainz ruins what was a perfectly good Red Bull racing domination. We hear kinds of anthems that we've never heard before, probably in our mind's eye. And, well, Liam Lawson is here to stay. Welcome to this episode reviewing the Singapore Grand Prix. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, Freya Brosma. Hello, mate. Hello. How are you doing? You must have had a pretty late night last night. Uh, yes. Look, <laughs> it was was not an it's not an early night. Um, it was an even later morning trying to get Thomas J. Camp to join this. That's been an <laughs> interesting adventure, session. hasn't it? Forty-seven minutes of waiting and trying. Um, he did try his best, he did. listener, yep. but uh, unfortunately, technology firmly against him today. Um, but that's okay. We'll try and get him back for next week's episode. Oh, Freya, where do we start? So much happened in this Grand Prix. And what I'm excited about, I think, is we're starting to get a little bit of a different side to Formula One in 2023. And I'm not just talking about Max Verstappen and Red Bull having a bit of a stumble. We're also starting to see some real spicy inter-team battles going on uh, with the likes of Mercedes and Ferrari. And, of course, just having the absolute oddity of having 19 cars start a Grand Prix rather than 20. Singapore really threw everything at us this weekend. It was one of those weekends that you just remember how much you love this sport and and why you love it because we had a really racy finish. We had interesting intra-teams and inter-teams battles um, we had some jeopardy with strategy. We had a threat of rain, which didn't seem to eventuate. Um, all sorts of things going on. It seemed very unpredictable, um, certainly watching. And it was also one of those weekends where I think the the whole weekend told a real story. You know, you had what was going on in free practice and then approaches for time management within qualifying that affected strategy for race. And it was just one of those weekends that I think really delivered the whole package when you're looking for a great Formula One event. Yeah, certainly lots of people who are on the ground too really enjoyed watching um, in person, which is always uh, a bonus. I think Singapore is one of those Grand Prix circuits that really you can get involved with and is easy to access from the city, of course, because it's smack bang in the middle of it. Looking at you, Silverstone, for being better <laughs> at access. But look, so much going on. Uh, <laughs> what I would love to do is go straight across to Discord and start with our Discord comment of the week. And now it's time for the Discord comment of the week. Now, I've chosen this one this week, Freya, and it came a little earlier in the piece than these things normally do. Comes from our friend Still Nugget, who is very ac- active on the Discord. Uh, he said, "It puts the gasly in the bin, or it gets the hose again." <laughs> Freya, 
<laughs> just <laughs> I mean, if you don't know the lyric, it's uh a bit a bit left field, but uh I do appreciate it and and well done, still nugget. The Discord again this weekend was just on fire. It was so great. Even and I just have so much respect for people who can be that witty at that hour. It's very impressive. Yeah. <laughs> Especially when something really major happens and there's a lot of people all saying very <laughs> witty things at the same time. It's just... Or just yelling. Sometimes it's very hard to catch up. Yeah, yeah that's right, yelling via text format. Um, plenty plenty of other contenders too. Um, so our Discord Legends of the Week, Freya Mine, uh, goes to Mel. Where to find Mel, her username? Um, she said, your heart does not go out to Russell. Yep. 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 <laughs> Couldn't agree more. I, I've never been so frustrated with a broadcast in my life. We'll get there in just a sec. What about you? So mine is a actually a conversation of, of two individuals. And as we all know, mm. it's quite difficult to have a conversation by yourself. So, James, I'm going to ask you to be Tilly Willie 13 and I'll be Russ. Yeah. Uh, perhaps yeah. if you could read out the prompt and mm. I'll follow up with mm. the other comment. All of New Zealand is up and voting. And also me. So that's about 18 people. <laughs> the disrespect. The disrespect. I loved it. Here for it. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> the absolutely entire nation it. of 17 people ready to get behind Liam Lawson. <laughs> um, what an absolute drive he had. Uh, if you'd like to be part of our Discord server, you can find the link to that in the show description or just go to our website, lexidrive.com.au forward slash community. Um, All right, it's time to do Tommy T's television broadcast review. If I could give this negative five to 5,000, I would, Freya. I, okay, firstly, you cannot say as a talking point, just because you've written it down, David Croft, that the last time three British drivers were in the top three was whatever race it was, I don't care, and just keep bringing it up, it completely ignoring the fact that Carlos Sainz is in first and would have to either crash out or be overtaken by slower cars to make that a thing. I have never been so frustrated by a single piece of repeated commentary as I was by that. A hundred percent. I was like, fun fact. Also not what's happening here. So irrelevant, you know, fun. Once yep. you've said it once, but now irrelevant. And also just oh, the, that side of things was this weekend was pretty unbearable. And mm. just especially in those last five laps, I was like there are so many amazing things that you could be saying about Carlos's racecraft and his strategy brilliance and had the tactical goodness that he was putting on show. Mm. And instead you're talking about three British drivers in the top three, which isn't what's happening. I was so <laughs> mad. And then now somebody said that, yeah, anyway, then then they were saying, and his you know, first win with Ferrari. I was like, what? So so there's one really important race, which you might remember actually, dear British mm, commentator, not. which was the British Grand Prix, which Carlos <laughs> no. won last year. I no. I found the commentary, um, yeah, really, really frustrating. Just, just missed yeah. opportunities. Do you know what I mean? Like to to talk about what was on track and amazing, and instead we're going on mm. about how many Brits are not in the top three. Well, if you had access to F1 TV this weekend, you would have had the beautiful voice of Greg Rust oh, gracing your ears. Divine. And I'm jealous. Yeah, I'm jealous of you. 
Um, if you don't know who Greg Rust is, you live overseas, just do yourself a favor, Google him or search him on YouTube or something. Um, he's also got a great podcast on the listener network called Rusty's Garage. He is an incredible journalist, but his voice is like just, I don't know, Heaven. golden syrup or something. It's just beautiful. Um, can confirm in person still equally as beautiful mm. as it is on the record. So uh, what were your I was jealous of you. thoughts on the anthem and the pre-broadcast? Look, I, do you know what? I missed the anthem, which is unlike me, um, and I missed the pre-broadcast only because I had no confidence that it was going to be any good. Obviously, there's no flyover. <laughs> it's nighttime, yeah. so... Some most of the time I'm watching the pre-broadcast just to see if there is a flyover yeah. happening. If it's dark, I know it's not going to happen. No, just a random helicopter shot that they continue to cut to, and because it's Singapore, it can't quite get over the track in the way that it does for other things. So you have this heavily zoomed in, and the angle is so shallow that you can barely see the car. Um, props to the the pilot for that, but uh, I didn't see. What did you think of the anthem? I also didn't see. There you go. <laughs> So the Singapore National Anthem, you. by the way, the, fantastic. I, it's a great anthem. Yeah, I went back to um, a place like we used to watch Formula One uh, to watch this race and we had, it was in honour of the mixed uh, mixed grill, we went back to Lloyd's oh, yes, uh, Smokehouse um, for, for breakfast and some coffee and to watch F1, but the Rugby World Cup is on at the same time. So they had, they were mm. kind of, we only had half the space and they had at one point they actually, obviously wires got crossed somewhere, there was a glitch in the universe and we ended up with the rugby commentary on Formula Formula One, <laughs> and, which was like <laughs> South Africa versus Romania or something. They're up by like 40 mm. and just this, we, I, was, I was like, can anyone else hear this or this is just me? So we still had some rugby going on, um, I think, uh, prior to. So I also missed it, unfortunately. But Discord comments would suggest that it was far from favourable. Mm. What, what kind of sport broadcasting do you want to hear over the top of Formula One instead of <laughs> the Sky F1 feed? Let us know in the Discord. Uh, I would be curious to know. Lawn Bowls comes to mind. There's something nice and soothing and, you know, you can get really interested into Lawn Bowls too. Uh, yeah, what a... Uh, look, my quote of the broadcast, and look, Martin is always is the saving grace of a lot of this broadcast, but my quote of the broadcast from him was him saying, that Red Bull looked like a gecko in superglue for most of this year <laughs> until now. <laughs> who, who thinks like does, that? Where does that come from? Where is the superglue? Why is there a gecko there? Well, yeah, so many questions, but, uh, yeah, that's quite outstanding work. Yeah, so out of 10, I'm giving this firmly a zero out of 10 for this week, Freya, you? Yeah, giving it a one. It just, it's just laziness and it's, I, I understand that it's a British broadcast, so really my frustration is with Fox Sports Australia and KO mm. for not sending Campy over to do all <laughs> of the commentary for us. At least then maybe all of the technology would work if somebody else can plug it in for him. Okay, let's go into our predictions, Freya, and just oh see how goodness. useless we continue to Woeful. be. Not only, <laughs> let's, so for both, oh, Campy's not here, obviously, but uh, we had very similar um, predictions. Uh, I said, and so did he, for the front row, Verstappen and, and Alonso. Um, and in the podium, he said, Verstappen, Alonso, Piastri. I said, Alonso, Verstappen, Perez. Well, if we had any credibility before <laughs> we started doing this segment, <laughs> it's all gone. It is there. It doesn't exist anymore, Freya. Um, and you said, you said, which was a little closer to the truth, Verstappen and Leclerc, I'll give you the Ferrari. Yeah, right. And then Verstappen, Alonso, Perez, which is... <laughs> and then Valtteri in 10th, who didn't even finish. Didn't finish. Joe, 
It's what he said, is what Campy said. And I said, Lawson, who got no. <laughs> so I got something close. And he got more than one point, so I'm very happy for him. It's a good result. Oh, my god. Maybe goodness. we should put this segment in the bin. <laughs> just, it I is think just we, no good. We all belong in the bin. It's absolutely woeful for somebody who mm. has so many opinions. And the thing was that this was, this is a pretty safe, these were pretty safe predictions, right? I think the week mm. before we had maybe been a little bit more hopeful in our predictions, things we mm. wanted to see as opposed to what are likely to happen. And this one was a little bit more objective. Well, this is why logic and reason does not belong on this podcast. That's all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's just it is a disaster. That is a good word for it. All right. Let's go through something that we are a little more familiar with and you are too listener, a team by team analysis. Let us start woefully at the very back of the pack. Uh, let's talk about Aston Martin. Fernando Alonso started in seventh, uh, unfortunately locked up going in too hot to get into the pits, had a five-second penalty. The team just had a moment. It's, it's, we haven't seen this from mm. Aston Martin for a very long time. They had a moment. It does happen. And he ended up finishing last, uh, which is 15th because everyone else had buggered off. <laughs> Um, and his teammate, Lance Stroll, <laughs> interestingly, uh, someone left a comment saying, um, uh, stop, you know, stop talking about Lance Stroll like this, you know, move on, do better. Well, we are a Formula One podcast. He is a Formula One driver. Um, and so we will continue to talk about him and ask the question, why is he still here? Um, he wasn't even on the racetrack this weekend. I think they would have scored as many points with him off as they did on Freya, but that was a... Big crash. Yeah. It was a really big crash. So firstly, um, I was angry with him for stuffing Piastri. Yeah. <laughs> Secondly, I went, oh my goodness, you know, the fact that the tether of the wheel had uh the wheel had disappeared mm. from the car is a big crash. Um, but I'm not surprised that, you know, they didn't run him. Obviously, the there are no free practice sessions to run their reserve driver, so that's not a thing, or they would have had to go to the steward. Anyway, yeah. It just meant it was just all too much. But there is, let, let's take, I would be curious actually to your side of this. Let's just go to the other side, the Lance Stroll side of the camp here. He is under a lot of pressure from everyone else, not for his actual seat, but certainly from the media and from us and from a whole bunch of other people about why he should be in Formula One. That, I mean, it's probably not healthy and it mustn't be a good feeling and doing something like this would really just probably make him struggle even more, wouldn't it? It's he's in a very difficult position. And there was an interesting um, article, I think it was on The Race actually, and they were talking about and they had basically looked at his races and they'd gone, we're going to take out all the ones that were wet or massively delayed or whatever else, Mm -hmm. and they just pulled out those races which kind of fit a nice consistent um, weekend and analysed his pace in comparison to Fernando Alonso. So let's start with that. And they basically said, look, we've kind of, and we've talked about this before, we've kind of got the three-tenths thing, right? We kind of want to be within three-tenths of your teammate. Well, when they pulled out all of those race, those lap times in dry kind of standard conditions, he was on average 0.4% off Nando's pace, which works out at 0.32 around a hypothetical 80-second lap 
which is at the very lower end of your three-tenths rule. You're pushing the boundaries of how close you need to be to your teammate to be considered competitive. So I think that, just go all of your opinions of him, his family, like whatever aside, looking at the data, he is at the very bottom end as to what you would expect to be within three-tenths of your teammate. So that's one thing. Then we look at his results and I am the first person to say that your the, the, your performance is not necessarily reflected in your results at the end of the day. We can't just look at the results and say, you're shit, you're good, whatever, because there's all sorts of things going on. So, and, and Mike Cracker said that he's like, no, there's not a market gap in performance. There is a market gap in points. They are two different things. And I agree with that. And he's had some reliability issues that don't seem to have affected Fernando. So we'll give him the benefit of a doubt there, but it all comes down to this, I think, which is that Lance Stroll as a Formula 1 driver is fine. Mm. He's fine. He's competent most of the time. He's competent. He's he's fine. <laughs> but you cannot be fine, competent, while you are racing alongside the likes of Fernando Alonso. And they should be second in the constructors and they're now in fourth. And that is due to Lance's overall performance having not been contributing to the points in the way that Alonso has. So I think when it, from a media perception perspective, he is kind of his how he comes across, he's almost his own worst enemy, I think, in that way. He has this kind of apathy, which I think appeals not well <laughs> to to people because you know you want to really see that these drivers care and appreciate the opportunity that they have. Um, but so I think he's kind of his own worst enemy in that way. But from a just from a data perspective, if, and we said this last week, but if he was in any other team, he would have been moved on by now. Let me just delay this. And I'm joined by my friend and yours, our friends and yours, Thomas J. Camp. Welcome to the podcast. Hello. Sorry for my technical difficulties this morning. Jeez, these computer things <laughs> are bloody cooked. We were uh, ragging on you anyway. Fair so uh, welcome back. Uh, look, we're, we're in our team-by-team analysis. We're talking about Aston Martin. Um, shocking weekend. But before, let's just go slightly to the top, um, just more generally campy, Singapore Grand Prix. Goodness, it was, uh, it was spicy, wasn't it? Oh, geez, the first half of the race and managing the pace, it's not what I want to see from Formula One. Um, in saying that, with the incident that occurred later on and uh, Mercedes getting the strategy somewhat right, geez, it just turned out to be those last 20 laps were very, very good. And this is why we love this sport when when jeopardy happens and, and, and teams make decisions. It just throws everything up and the script that's been written for the race thus far up in the air. And, uh, geez, we got a cracking last 20 laps. Geez, I thought Lewis was... If he had been in front of uh, Russell, I think he would have got the win and got those moves done. And I think that's where you compare Russell and and Lewis. That's the difference between the two. Lewis got that five-second gap down to George, you know, on his own teammate. But then, unfortunately, just just didn't have the uh, have the have the ties to get him past. But geez, yeah, cracking race, cracking result. Unfortunate for qualifying too for our boy Oscar. But, yeah, no, I loved it. Jeez, it was great. We're just talking about Aston Martin and Lance Stroll and I said that I was immediately frustrated because he'd stuffed Oscar. Also, I don't know how you felt about this, Campy, but the red flag took a very long time to come out. Uh, There were still green flags being waved coming around that last corner, it seemed like. 
This is why two cars at speed approached Lance Stroll. Well, one was falling straight behind him, so nothing he could do about it. But certainly the second coming around through that corner, that McLaren, I was sort of shocked. But yeah. how did you see that whole the whole incident and, and how do you see Lance, Lance Stroll going into the rest of this season well, and beyond maybe? Well, when, when the car steps out like it did on a street track, the car's going into the wall and you're going to do a heap of damage. I don't mind these guys making mistakes when they're driving on the edge. It's bound to happen and it happens all the time. So he had a big crash. He had a big shunt. Uh, look, it is what it is. Did I expect it from Stroll? Stroll doesn't normally bin cars like this unless, you know, he's hitting Sebastian Vettel on a on a cool-down lap after the race is finished. But, no, <laughs> these, guys can, these guys can make mistakes. It was a big shunt. As to the... As for the stewards and their decisions, look, F1 gets this stuff right. They, we, we know from last night, given we had a safety car due to debris and then we had a car stopped on track, which we had a, a virtual safety car for. When you look at that stroll incident in qualifying, why did it take so long to get the red out? Well, it was just human error and they should be better at this stuff. But F1 does, they have a mantra and it is safety first and it's more safety conscious than we've ever been in the history of the sport. And as soon as a crash like that happens, press the red flag button and away you go. Why it was delayed, probably a bit of human error. And the way you don't go, preferably, yeah. is is what we're talking about. Uh, let's let's keep going. Let's talk about Alfa Romeo now. Uh, Valtteri Bottas DNFing. Joe finishing in 12th. Uh, terrible qualifying for them as well. Freya, this is a, a team that, you know, as we keep saying every week, should be doing better. It's sad to see them so far down the grid, but Joe has just been renewed for next season. Um, Campy and I spoke about this last week in terms of he's probably done enough to stay. What was interesting, though, is now the reports coming out about Nico Hockenberg being interested in going across, but Gunther Steiner blocking that. He does have a contract for Haas for next year. Fair enough. Um, even Felipe Drogovic was in the picture to be looking at going across to this. But is it a good thing for, for Joe or is it a good commercial decision by Sauber to keep him for the Chinese Grand Prix in 24? Yeah, I, I think this is they had they probably had a couple of options and I don't think any of them are kind of outstanding, If to, to be blunt, in that they don't really have that kind of, like obviously they've got Valtteri, but the car is not there, so he's not really showing the full potential as having that kind of marquee driver, um, which is kind of what they're lacking a little bit. Like obviously like we, we love Valtteri and he's had an incredible career with Mercedes and, and prior to that as well, but because they don't, he doesn't have the machinery to perform in, we're not really getting the best out of what he could do for the team, I don't, I don't think. In terms of the decision with Joe, yeah, you look at those different options. Let's say they were all available. None of them are awesome options, I, I don't mm. think, in which case side with consistency and the devil you know. And I agree that he's done enough to stay in and he also hasn't done anything, like he he's, hasn't done anything bad enough to not get it, you know, it's not as though he's crashing on a regular basis. No, he's not getting, you know, outstanding results, but he, again, doesn't really have the car to do that and neither is his teammate. So there's no, he doesn't really have a, a comparison point that's really outshining him or anything else. Um, and so I think of the options available, this is a sound option. Um, it's nothing amazing, but it'll work for them. And I think when they're, it's a team that's kind of in flux over the next year or so, 
and in which case stick to what you know. So we, I don't, like, I don't think anyone's particularly surprised by it, by that. But I also, unfortunately, just don't think we're going to see much different from them next year either. The exciting thing about Valtteri Bottas, this is great for an audio podcast, but is this box that I have in my hand, which I've probably put too close to the camera, <laughs> is my Ahana wine. Uh, shout out to Sam Oliver's Taranga. Um, Sam is a listener of this podcast, which uh, which is fantastic. He is managing the whole collab between um, Valtteri and, and what's going on at Oliver's Taranga too. And Corinna, um, you will probably hear... Some of the story on the Drinks Adventures podcast soon, hopefully, which will be very exciting. But for those of you watching on YouTube, um, this bottle is gorgeous. It is. Look at this. Look at this delight. Look at how stunning this is. Valtteri's got a good signature. Valtteri's signature's on there. Corinna, uh, her signature's on there. Corinna is one of the best known winemakers in this country. And I said it last week. This is not an ad, by the way. This is just, and it wasn't certainly me trying to do anything last week either, just except for the fact that I'm a wine person. I work in the industry. I own a business in the industry. Um, And I was stoked that a small producer, smaller producer, gets to be able to have a world stage now. Um, And with someone like Valtteri, who unfortunately doesn't have the car underneath him to do anything sort of on track at the moment, but his off-track life is phenomenal. Um, Doing gin, doing wine, coffee, um, owning a hockey team, what what else can he do? <laughs> also, amazing from Alfa Romeo this year for this weekend. Sorry, they had a um a, like a fan experience type thing, and they gave a a local fan oh, garage yes. access and met Valtteri, and it was one of the most kind of pure joy pieces of content I've seen because it seems so real and he shows up and he's got his big Valtteri face and he gets there <laughs> and he's practised his finish to introduce himself to Valtteri who he got to meet and I just saw that and I was like, oh, that is that is pure joy right there. I love I love that. I love that. it. Yeah. That was very well shot by Shy as well yes. who uh friend of the show and uh, if you do not follow Shy on Instagram, he is uh, Alfa Romeo Sauber's content person. I constantly call him the entire digital team for Alfa Romeo Sauber because <laughs> he is. Um, he has some beautiful content uh, around motorsport, Formula 1, and some uh, Triumph motorcycles too. Shout out to you, my man. We love what you do. Uh, Campy, though, for, for Valtteri, he is contracted for next year. Uh, the car is not so good. Uh, there is hope, though, that this Audi thing will come to fruition. There's every chance that he stays on with that project. But it is still difficult to watch him so far down the grid week in, week out, isn't it? Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of the when Kimi Raikkonen went there from back from Ferrari, I think. You know, the bar was started, I think, the first half of the first year he was there. He was excellent. He was the best of the rest, really. And it's just slowly tapered off. I, I don't think Valtteri had the highs that we wanted or expected him to have when he first went there. But, um, yeah, it's been a shame to watch. It's tough. I hope he sticks around for the, the Audi 2026, but it's a long time in this sport and – Will Audi have on-track performance straight away when they get there? I mean, they really need to be, in my opinion, they, when Audi comes in, they they will have a very solid base from what from what uh, 
they've got at the moment. But moving forward, they're probably going to be looking at a more experienced driver in three or four years, someone like a like a Checo Perez to build that team for three or four years to get it where it needs to be. Not sure if he's in that picture. I, will, I love him. I want him in the sport. I want him around for as long as possible. He's just one of those drivers for me. So does it work out that way? I'm not sure. And does he want to compete? for where he's competing at the moment. I mean, he'd spent five years in Mercedes, the biggest organisation in motorsport, and was on top of the world with them, albeit not a world champion driver, but as a, as a constructor. So does he want it? Is he enjoying it? He seems like he's got a new lease on life. He seems like all the off-track stuff is excellent. He's in a great place with his relationships and the wines and the haircuts and embracing our Aussie uh, – Aussie culture as much as he can, but uh, how, how sustainable is that when you're racing in 20th to 15th all the time? So Yeah, it, it is, it's hard to, hard to get into the mindset, but you're right, he does look a lot happier and he has multi-year contracts now, which makes it probably a, a simpler time on track for him because he knows at least what's ahead of him, more so than just year to year, which is what he was on in Mercedes. All right, let's, let's keep going. Let's talk about Williams now. A bit of a disappointing weekend for them. Alex Albon finishing in 11th, just outside the points. Logan Sargent in 14th after uh, rearranging his front wing campy to underneath his car. Uh, there was a glimmer of hope, I thought, for Sargent a couple of rounds ago where I thought, okay, you know, we, he's he's had enough time now as a rookie, starting to settle into it. The car's being developed well. Things are looking good, but it's still not quite there enough. And... Certainly, if uh, the performance, you know, this is a hard track. So the performance here is a difficult one to do. But conversely, look at Liam Lawson scoring two championship points, which is more than DR and uh, and unfortunately Nick were, uh, have been managed to do at this point. Do you think that there is some hope for him for next year or do you think the decision's already been made? Look, it's it's, it's a baptism of fire, this, this F1 calendar. And these guys, when they come out of... F2 and F3, they don't get to drive a lot of the tracks. Early on, I mean, we spoke about the three rookies this year. They, they hadn't driven a lot of the tracks. They got to Europe and they, got, they, they know them. They've been driving them there in some formula for their, you know, for their whole professional career. But Singapore, this is the toughest of the toughest. Street race, night, lots of turns, lots of corners. It's in saying that too. This Williams was never going to be good around this track. This car is slippery in a straight line and is fast. And we've seen the results that Albon got at places like Monza, albeit disappointed, but this was never going to be their track. They are not a that, that car does not generate a high level of downforce. I I just think compared to his teammate, that is who you're racing. If you're not if you're not racing for race wins or even podiums or even the top ten, you're racing your teammate and Public perception is a big thing in this sport. Uh, regard, I, Freya touched on Stroll before and, and the data, the raw data that they have. I, I, if I'm Williams, I'd be seriously looking at that raw data and if they are making a case for him, I, I'm i not sure it works. So anyway, they'll be right. It was a shame. Yes, he did make a mistake, but he's he, he's he's not performing as he should. Freya, the most loved driver in the paddock so far this year, Alex Albon, seems to be a little bit under the radar again now, certainly with performances by Carlos Sainz for um, two weeks in a row, but that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think sometimes the hype can be too much for a team like Williams and 
this is unfortunate that they weren't able to get some points, but I tell you what, that golf livery looked absolutely Ooh. delightful. Yeah, it didn't. It, it looked absolutely brilliant. I loved it. And I'm just super unfortunate as well for Albon having that contact with Checo as well at the end, which I think just, you know, if he did hope to have a nice finish to his race, that wasn't going to happen then. So it was, yeah, look, I think you're right in terms of the, um, just the hype that we so rapidly generate as soon as a team like this gets a couple of points or whatever. And I know that that's a big deal for them. So I don't want to take away from how much it means from the team. And we saw it with um, K-Mag as well with with his points. And you go, it means so much to them. So you don't want to take away from that. However, we're so quick to kind of say maybe they've turned a corner, maybe they've figured something out or maybe Albon can bring them into a, a different level of performance but then they go back to a track that doesn't suit them and we kind of go, okay, yes, they're making small gains and they are emphasised at certain tracks because it is such a track-specific car, it seems anyway, that um, then all, all of a sudden the, the downfall seems even more disappointing. Um, but he also had his car, his uh, his shoe launch or his merch launch um, this week as well. So he's got shoes and something else as well. But um, the shoes, somebody was saying there was a um, a bit of a jinx on that because Alonso was wearing them. Didn't finish. He was wearing them. Had contact. Um, and there was somebody else as well. Now I can't remember who the third person was. The other, there was a third person who bought them and wore them who also had an incident and now I can't remember who it was, unfortunately. But interesting on the the sergeant thing, I um, spent some time today with the Fan Behaviour podcast with Zoe and we were talking about sergeant and I was interested in how much she thought as an American he was really appealing to that market and if that's going to contribute to him getting a contract for next year. And her opinion was that she's like, sure, if you have a really outgoing, charismatic, kind of boisterous American character we're going to love it. But we would take that character over an American any day, which is why we love Daniel Ricciardo. She was like, he's far more popular in the sport than Logan is despite being being American. So she was like, I don't think that it's having that much of an impact in the US market to have an American driver on the track than people think it is. I think she's like, I think if you go outside of America, that's what people think. But when you're here, she's like, everyone just wants Daniel back. <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, that's an yeah. absolutely fair point. Yeah. Uh, it'll be interesting to see where he lands coming into the end of this year and whether or not Williams take him all the way through to Abu Dhabi without making a decision uh, or if they make one beforehand. Let's talk about Haas. Let's talk about Americans. Uh, Nico Hulkenberg qualifying in ninth. Kevin Magnussen remembering how to qualify. Qualified <laughs> in sixth. Scored a point, a whole championship point for Haas. Uh, Magnussen finishing in 10th. Hulkenberg finishing in 13th. Uh, Campy, Brundle said this quite well, that the Haas is very good at firing up its tyres, which is good for qualifying and terrible for the race. Um, it was great, though, to be able to see K-Mag holding on to it. And it is one of the things, one of the benefits of signs managing the pace up the front just meant that the Haas cars didn't have to completely cook their tyres so early on. Yeah, that old adage that when uh, Ferrari's performing well, Haas will also perform relatively to their position on the grid too. So, yeah, oh, yes, uh, that old adage. That old <laughs> adage, yeah, whatever. <laughs> Bloody hell. I can't, uh, oh, I'm shocking. Um, yeah, look, uh, it's good to see them up the front. Good to see them up the front. Saturday's their day, unfortunately, this year. And, well, 
while it's been Hulk traditionally this year that has got the performances on Saturday, K-Mag pulled one out of the bag. Jeez, uh, it was a crazy qualifying. We had Red Bulls missing out, and you know, the Q3, both of them for the first time in probably the history um, from my memory anyway. But, uh, yeah, good to see. Good to see. They hung on. They played the team game really well when they were in ninth and tenth and, and uh, K-Mag was sort of leading the pace but allowing Hulk to build a big train behind him. Uh, unfortunately, they sort of they fell off with the incidents. But um, they, were, they were racing to get points this weekend and they were doing it in the smartest way they could. Saw how Signs was up front holding the pace. K-Mag was doing very much the same in that first stint. So, yeah, good to see. Good to see. We want them to be better. Grunther's the best character ever. I think uh, Brundle had a good chat with him on the grid beforehand, which was good to see. So, yeah. <laughs> good. Thank you. Thanks for rounding out that point so well. Uh, Freya, in terms of how these drivers sit, though, for for being both now contracted for next year, they've got that stability. As we were talking a little bit earlier about with Valtteri. It does mean a little bit, sort of more focus on what they can do this year, but also developing for next year. These championship points, wherever they can get them, is incredibly important. Um, probably weren't expecting the fact that, you know, the Red Bulls would be qualifying well below them, um, both of them, in fact. Uh, it was, it's always, I mean, points are scored on Sunday, of course, but it's hard to not be excited on the Saturday for them. Well, I think they've got to take their, their joy where they can find it. You know, they know that they're not going to finish in the top five. They may get points and they're hoping to avoid the bottom five. And so when they achieve those things, you know, they qualify relatively well. Um, one of them gets gets in the points. That That's what they're competing for, you know, to the point that, you know, to what Campy was saying earlier, if you're not going for podiums, maybe you're going for points and that's your race. And if you're not going for that, then you're racing your teammate or whatever. This is that this is their fight. So I think like it's fair enough. It, it can look over the not I say over the top, but perhaps um, disproportionate to the what was achieved. But for them, that is a success. And so I think you've got to let them have that because if they don't celebrate those moments, then it's a pretty dismal looking um, season, and that's not a good headspace to be in a, as a driver or as a team. So I think it's actually really important to celebrate those wins, where they find them, whether it's through a good qualifying performance or a couple of points here and there, that's important to them. And and I really saw how meaningful it was to K-Mag afterwards. I watched a couple of minutes of the post-race interviews and he was just stoked. And so I think you've just you've got to celebrate those those moments because that's their battle. Alpha Tauri. Now this is an incredibly interesting situation that's unfolding here. As much as it is very, very sad and frustrating that Daniel uh, is out, and by all accounts, he still won't be back for Japan, which is sad, but it looks like Qatar will be where he comes back. Um, what it is good for, though, is one Kiwi, one times Liam Lawson. Uh, Freya, there has been the conversation now that if next year, Yuki Tsunoda, if if um, Sergio Perez stays at Red Bull Racing, as has been spoken about, uh, and Max Verstappen obviously stays there. Daniel Ricciardo stays at AlphaTauri or Toro Bosso, um, whatever it ends up being called <laughs> next year, and they put Liam Lawson in. It means that Yuki Tsunoda is likely to be the reserve driver, the third driver for Red Bull Racing. I don't think he thought that was on his horizon to be worried about this year. Yeah, Hugo Tauri, there's a lot going on in that uh, <laughs> that that team at the moment. And it feels like it could go in 20 different directions. You know, there's also the fact that Logan's seat is not confirmed. So does Yuki or Liam go down to 
go go to Williams um, or does Yuki make that move as a reserve driver? I think what's interesting is that it feels like as from a somebody who's just watching from the outside that it kind of has caught Yuki off guard a little bit. I think with all of this activity in the other seat, we're all thinking about how it's going to affect Nick DeVries, how it's going to affect Daniel Ricciardo. And Yuki's kind of trundling along just going, I'm just going to race my race and, you know, cook my amazing food <laughs> as is his other other passion. Um, and then all of a sudden he's found himself in the spotlight um, because of the, you know, short but effective performances of both these other people who have, have not been in the car before, one in any other car. So it's I think it was just unexpected and it's almost a bit, bit of kind of deer in the headlights of going I, I didn't think this was going to affect me in terms of the drama of the other seat. And so, yeah, I think he's going to need to pull out some some pretty good performances over the next couple of races just to put those rumours and ultimately decisions to bed. Campy, it's also come at a really poor time for him to have a DNS in Monza, having a DNF here, having the um, impeding Max Verstappen thing. AlphaTauri didn't even turn up to that steward's hearing. Yeah. So there was no decision, like there was no penalty <laughs> applied to Max because AT just didn't go. Um, it, yeah, it's bad timing because to have two races of not being able to finish but having some upgrades brought along, now having Liam Lawson finishing in ninth in his third Formula One race with the baptism of fire, in the Netherlands, of course, he didn't have such a great time out in Monza as probably he would have liked, but this is a great showing for him. For Sonoda, and we've spoken a lot about Yuki and how we enjoy it. We love Yuki and Tommy T is still one of his, not that Tommy T's watched any Formula One since leaving this podcast, can't confirm, <laughs> I saw him last week, but still one of his, he asked me how <laughs> Yuki was going and I said, well, he might actually not be in the seat next year and he was shocked. It is, it's interesting how this all can happen because, again, Liam Lawson probably wasn't expecting to be in the picture, but the commentary and everything else and perception is that he deserves a seat in Formula 1. Yeah, well, he's had, a, he's had what, is this his third race? Yeah, third race. So, look, I think Yuki's been quicker, but not starting a race and then out lap one. I think Yuki, just digressing, I think Yuki, did he commit to pulling off the track a bit too early just so. for a puncher. Yep. I could have sworn he would nurse that back round, and I'm not 100% sure why he pulled off. There may have been some news coming out of that post-race, but I haven't seen it as yet. So, look, I think Yuki, Yuki's got support in the team. He has been very, very competent at, on the upper levels, moving from the – I'll put him as a consummate professional at the moment in our in – <laughs> Tier rating. Um, <laughs> I think he's been good. As for it's a it's a tough one because the narrative's not there. Lawson is getting the headlines at the moment because of Daniel's injury. He came in, performed really really well at uh, at, at Zandvoort. <laughs> you know, just to jump in the car on the race day or qualifying. That's great. And then Monza, he was really really good. The car showed some pace, but Yuki showed a lot of pace in Monza too, mm. particularly in the practice mm. and the qualifying. This weekend, at times, Yuki, I mean, Yuki was what, P1 after Q1 or Q2, whatever it was. So, I mean, there's some genuine pace in that car. I think this but this being a the hardest race of the year and Lawson 
performing well, albeit some things happened, you know, the Ocons and the and the three DNFs, they probably would have beaten him on track. But uh, look, it just feeds into the narrative, right? If you don't have the whole picture, and a lot of the time when we when we're critiquing Formula One, we don't have the we don't take into consideration the whole picture. We just focus on some really key key small areas. And for Liam, I think that's the way we're judging it at the moment. We're not taking the whole picture into account. But he's done his job. It's a bit like DeVries in Williams last year. He's taken that opportunity and he's performed well. And I dare say he's probably got himself a drive for next year. There'll be teams going, all right, this kid's got it. He can he he's proved he can do it. Send him uh, to Aston Martin. And with the instability in that team. Well, that's not going to happen, Freya. We can all <laughs> hope, but... Um, well, my objective opinions are yeah, I mean, just... crap anyway, so you might as well go <laughs> and hope at this point. <laughs> the, Honda, the Honda connection you, is what would say. Can that. you compare Lawson and Hartley together? Can you compare them? Uh, yes, like you, just, you can if, in the, in the same Lawson way that... If Lawson grew his hair out, would he look like Hartley? <laughs> <laughs> Jeez. I was thinking, yes, you can, because it was an unfortunate entry uh, into the sport. The difference is upgrade package on this guy. And that's what I was saying, I think, around the Yuki Sonoda thing right now is that Lawson's come in in a car that has benefited a little bit from DR, not a lot, a little bit from DR, and also from Yuki, just trying to make the car better. So it was an absolute mess. They're still last, five championship points, three from Yuki and two from Liam this weekend. But it's getting better. And you, as you said, like there is performance there, but the headlines are what drive everything at the moment in Formula One. And there was no bigger headline um, this week than, than that kind for me than that. And, and, and now a lot of sources saying, you know, this is the plan if, if it isn't to happen. All right, we're going to take a quick ad break. We'll be back very, very shortly. <laughs> And we're back. Let's talk about Alpine because uh, Esteban Ocon, I'm pretty sure, broke his steering wheel. He was so angry. I don't know if anyone else saw this. He slammed the steering wheel and the screen had a little uh, (laughs) couple of pixels missing, which um, fair enough, Esteban. Absolutely fair enough because he was driving that car on rails. But please, everybody, be upstanding for Pierre Gasly in sixth position this weekend in a car. He qualified in 12th. He got into sixth. Ocon qualified in eighth and he was unfortunately had a DNF. But Gasly was very, very impressive this weekend, Freya. If you want to talk about consummate professionals, I don't think there's any other mm. name that we could uh, put in the same sentence that wouldn't be more appropriate. <laughs> He- <laughs> you two are full of shit, aren't you? <laughs> Tick. Easy oh, laugh. I love it. Easy wins. <laughs> but, uh, like, but this is a track where it's difficult to overtake and there was a lot of activity going on around that kind of ninth, tenth, and so to make up six places is very impressive. I very much feel for Ocon on his birthday, no less. What is mm. with the reliability of that car? They said at the end of last year, we've got it sorted. We think we know what it is. We've blah, 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 blah. And this is how many DNS have they had, like six, seven? between the two of them, just and wiping out entire teams for an entire weekend, it's it's pretty laughable, to be entirely honest, I think, at, at this point mm. not to have figured that out. And imagine being those drivers going in every weekend going, 
it may or may not matter what I can do with this as much as whether or not it will make it through the race. Like I just feel like at this point in the season not to have figured out where those issues are, you can't be confident as an Ocon or a Gasly despite being the wonderful drivers that they are. <laughs> yeah, and also putting it in six. Campy, yeah. I think it's it, we've we said this I think last week or the week before in terms Ocon. of from from the Monza <laughs> point of view, right? Ocon. <laughs> from the Italian point of view, the power unit was so far down on power compared to everyone mm. else, but there's a power unit freeze development until 2026 unless reliability. Well, clearly there is a reliability issue. Now, it wasn't necessarily power unit. It could have been gearbox. At least that's what it was said. But, Campy, this is for an OEM team to be one of the few that's on the grid and to have this much trouble, and considering also the highs and lows that they have ridden this year, is you do feel for them. My heart does not go out to George Russell, but my <laughs> heart goes out to the team of Alpine, yeah. the mechanics and everyone else that work really hard to try and get it sorted out. They have no leadership. It's all an absolute mess. It's a bit of a disaster. It doesn't feel like a, a team that's going to ever take steps forward. Well, no, they're not taking steps forward. Since Daniel's been there, they've taken giant strides backwards. I'm not just talking in the name change. I'm I'm talking in team principals and team members mm. and team drivers. And anyway, look, Ocon dominated Gasly all weekend this weekend, had his measure <laughs> easily and has done for most of the season, if I might add. And uh, Gasly got lucky on that P6 just, just due to things happening in front of him, completely out of his control. So. <laughs> <laughs> He'd be wrapped. Look, Gazzy would be wrapped with that P6. Oh. Pat yourself on the back. But let's look at the whole picture. George didn't crash. That puts no. him back to seventh. If uh, Ocon didn't bail out, that puts him back to eighth. If he oh, he was always going to get past the uh, the uh, the Haases. So, look, P9, P10 is a legitimate place for Gasly <laughs> this weekend. P6 looks a bit better than how they were actually performing. Oh, I feel sorry for Ocon. He's pretty mm. frustrated in that team, and I don't blame him. I, it, mm. And this is a genuine question to you two. I think mm. Ocon's been the better driver of the two of them all year, and I don't rate Ocon at all. So <laughs> what do you guys think? Do you agree or do you not? <laughs> I, I just love it when someone says, I have a question. I think that. <laughs> <laughs> well, my question is, is oh, fucking hell. I can't get anything wrong. That's a good question. Uh, no, I don't think Ocon has had the measure of Gasly uh, and I don't think Gasly has had the measure of Ocon. No. Quite honestly, I have. Th- I think they have been evenly matched all year uh, but also hard to say, Bifreya, because as you said earlier, the amount of reliability issues that they've both experienced, sometimes at the same time yeah. at the same race weekend, has meant that we haven't really had ability to see how how good either of them are compared to each other. No, I don't think you've got a fair comparison yet just because of like DNS and stuff. We don't have enough data, quite frankly. But can I just also say there is no sadder sight than a driver, helmet still on, like trundling back, walking, uh, shoulders slumped back to their garage. There is no sadder sight, especially on someone like Ocon who's quite kind of tall and slender mm. and he's got this big bobbling um, helmet on his head just with that. It's it's looks like a cartoon. There's just no sadder sight. You just go, oh, mate, it looks like a sad toddler <laughs> even though I can't see his face. 
He was he was doing some kind of hand signals to the camera too. You have a thumbs up and then it was like a rolling hand. So it's either like either we'll go again or it happened again or let's keep going or don't trip over the wheel guns of the past garage behind you, something like that. Um, All right, let's keep going. Let's talk about, wow, here we are. This is where they are in the mix this week, Red Bull Racing. Ah, Campy, over to you, mate. What's going on? What's happened? Oh, look, I think they showed that this car's actually got an Achilles heel. But, look, I don't think Red Bull particularly care about the rest of this season. They've got the championship in the bag by so far. I think the only person that can win the championship other than Max Verstappen at the moment is Sergio Perez, and that's not going to happen. So, look, they've... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Look, I think it's a bit of they've given up on the developing the car this year. It's all focused towards next year. Um, set up, they may have gone. They just had an off weekend. What I liked about their weekend this weekend was they raced to win this race. And their strategy, that race would have looked very different if that safety car didn't come out at lap 20. I think, mm. I think Max has a pace in that car um, that is – so much better than Sergio Perez's teammate. Even the moves he was he, he made trying to nurse those tyres. I just think the race would have played out very differently if we didn't get that safety car. Um, but you saw some of the moves he was doing on, on the tyres. So the car's still there and I just think it's an anomaly, this track, but they'll be fine. They'll bounce back and Max will probably win the next 10 Grand Prix. So. 27. <laughs> Into next year as well. Yeah. Seven. <laughs> It is, it is, though, a lot to be said of a car that did not look connected. The setup wasn't right. The front end was sliding all over the place. For Verstappen to finish fifth only just behind uh, Charles Leclerc, you know, that last call, one more lap and probably he would have had him. That's a that's impressive. You know, a bit of a weekend probably to forget for Red Bull, but that is impressive. Oh, absolutely. And you looked at what he was able to make up in comparison to Perez. I think that's when you start getting as much as they're obviously whilst very similar, there's going to be difference in setups and that type of thing. But it's actually in a race like this where I think you get more of a comparison of performance than in a race where Max is out in clean air doing his own thing you know, not yep. having to battle, not having to nurse his tyres, particularly whatever. He's in. He's just ultimately racing in completely different conditions to to Perez. So I think this type of situation where they're both actually trying to race, that's where you get a better idea as to um, you know the the driver component. And and Max absolutely showed what he's capable of. I did enjoy the fact that his like you know his uh, engineer had to tell him to back off um, a little bit because he's like, we need these tyres to go for a hell of a lot longer into this race. Like, chill out, man. Um, that was that was quite funny. But um, I think Bernie Collins made an interesting point with these guys this weekend where if you can't figure out what exactly is wrong and if they're so unfamiliar recently with having these types of issues, you throw the whole kitchen sink at it and that makes it even more confusing because one of those changes might have worked. And, and Christian Horner did say that. He's like, we tried everything, multiple things at once, different things, other things. We just could not get it to all click. Um, and she was kind of saying, like, I see why you're doing that. But also that makes it even more confusing because you can't figure out what's working and, and, and what's not. So I think uh, there could be a couple of lessons in there maybe if they get faced with this this type of situation again. 
Yeah. Do you know what? A massive shout out to the Singapore, whoever is responsible for resurfacing that track. The grip that those cars had into three was just mind blowing. Watching Fernando, uh, sorry, watching Lando Norris come through in his McLaren mm. just attack the corner, just having total faith that his car had the mechanical grip to stick around that corner was mind-boggling because he'd just not seen that before. So massive ups to the Singapore Grand Prix Corporation or whatever they're called um, for, for doing that. It, looked really, it just made it a lot better to watch. Um, all right, let's talk about Sergio Perez just very quickly, Campy, because all, I, all attention was on Max. Perez qualified 13th, so he wasn't too far off of his teammate who qualified 11th, so there is that to be said. You did mention earlier the only other person who can win the championship this year is Sergio Perez, but he did finish in 8th behind Gasly. What a great driver Gasly is. Uh, Do we feel like he is now, and you mentioned this, so let me put the question to you again. Do you think he has been told that he is not racing for Red Bull Racing next year? Uh, I no, I don't think he's been told yet, but I think the decision's already been made between Marco and uh, Christian Warner. There's no way you bring a guy like Danny Rick back into an organisation as a third driver without a plan to get him back into the seat. I mean, there's younger there's younger people that they could take, but they obviously love Daniel. So I think Max is probably a big driving factor in that too. So because that relationship between Perez and Verstappen has had its problems and maybe we're reading too much into it. But the decision's been made and it's it's unfortunate. But Perez, like, he couldn't pass Lawson last night. And, yes, I understand that he's in a train and they're trying to do things, but that you can, I think, unlike earlier in the year when Perez won those couple of races and I expected Max to hunt him down, particularly at Baku, and it, and it never eventuated, the visually looking at them on TV, and that's not a great. It's 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 not a great historically. You know, I mean, generally, you, it's not a great. You don't see these things, but Max is clearly fucking struggled there. Jeez. <laughs> Bloody hell! <laughs> My God! Oh. <laughs> Look, I'm sorry, listener. It's control on delete your brain and to yeah. start again. That was um, <laughs> yeah. It's been one of those ones. Um, it's visible. <laughs> yes, he's visibly he's visibly way better yeah. than what Perez is. So, and it's not good for Perez because we know he we we know he's got the ability on his day to perform mm. amazingly, but. When he's in the headspace he's in and, you know, I'd hate to think what it's like in the team garage where everyone's against you and, you know, the perception's out there. It's it's hard to get up every day and perform at your best being like that. So, anyway, he'll be in the sport. He's got himself a drive next year somewhere. Let's talk about Mercedes. We finally saw some pace. We And it is good to see some pace, Freya, I think. And to watch these two cars chase themselves around in the last sort of bit of the race to try and get up onto the podium. Look, Russell put it into the wall and that's slightly funny on one hand and disappointing on the other hand, but it shows how hard he was pushing to try and get himself up there. So all credit to him for pushing in the same way that Campy said, you don't mind these people having, you know, putting it into the wall if they make a mistake in Lance Stroll doing that in qualifying. George wanted all of it. He, he was so hungry. We've seen that change in him this year that he wants so much 
to be the number one driver in Mercedes to show everyone in the UK that he's the better of the two. Unfortunate. No, my heart doesn't still doesn't go out to him. But for Mercedes more generally, Freya, this is a good weekend, especially when he qualified in second, Hamilton qualified in fifth, then finished on the podium. Yeah, I, really interesting weekend for them from a number of kind of different perspectives. I think the weekend as a whole um, for Mercedes was very interesting. Obviously, they went in with a strategy from qualifying that encompassed the race and the tyres that they wanted to have available for today. So for, for for the race, which I think is just very interesting, you know, when it comes to what they then had available and when McLaren and stuff didn't pitch and they were kind of saying, oh, you know, they didn't want to give up track position, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, no, they didn't have any tyres. They still had like 25 laps to go and one set of softs. So Merck could come in if they pull off that double stack and they've then got those those fresh fresh mediums for the last part of the race. We, the others didn't have them. So there's their kind of story goes across the whole weekend, not just the race today. I think a couple of other things. One is that, that the crash absolutely reminded me of Stroll's yesterday where I think you are just pushing so hard. And Stroll said I was, it was a pretty slow lap. I was trying to use those last couple of corners to make up serious pace. And interestingly, again, Bernie in with the goal was like, you can't make up that type of time in two corners. You know, you need to, like, that. that's not going to happen. And I think it's sure it is an example of going, I'm just really trying to push really hard, but you shouldn't have been that far down in the first place. This is obviously a bit different, but it is similar in that it's, you're pushing, you know, they're right on the edge in terms of trying to be right on the limit. And that's where you say, and he's done this a couple of times. And I think this is a little bit of a, you know, it's going to be an issue that he needs to work on where you're under such pressure. And that's when your focus has to be unwavering. And I think what was interesting with Hamilton, maybe I look too much at these things, but the way he celebrated on the podium and how he kind of responded to his position didn't seem that enthusiastic in comparison to what I would expect from him. And I think there's an element of the fact that he thought he had more pace and shouldn't have been in fourth in the first place and should have been able to move through. Um, The other thing is that that position probably feels a little bit gifted to him because of what happened to George. So I don't think he really felt like he, I don't want to say not earned it because, again, you've got to be there to take the opportunities. We've talked about that before. Um, So he did, but at the same time he would have, I'm sure, preferred to have won it outright than have had the person in front of them go into the wall. So I think Mercedes are going to have, I don't think it's going to be a full, you know, Nico Hamilton situation. But they do are going to have a very interesting situation now that we know that um, Hamilton, of course, has signed, um, trying to juggle these two drivers who are both going to go for wins. Campy, does your heart go out to George Russell? Uh, No, that's what I want to say. I want to say these guys driving absolutely as fast as they possibly can for the entirety of the race. If we're saving time, well, (laughs) mistakes will happen when you're doing it. And cars will blow up when you're racing them as, and to try and get absolutely everything out of them. I think we need to try and get the sport back to that at some level. I don't like the managing of pace to – yeah, I just don't like it. I think we just want to see these guys as fast as they possibly can for the duration of the Grand Prix. I don't feel sorry for George uh, to answer your question, but for Lewis, mate, 
That remember when when they did the pit stop and they pitted for the mediums, George was fifteen seconds behind uh, the person in front of him. Lewis was another five seconds back, and he still had pace at the end of the race. And I think if he had been in front of him, he would have probably got the job done. You know, he was trying to make moves on his teammate at that stage. So yeah, look, I think I think. Lewis handled himself in a certain way because he's been there so often and he's done it. He's never going to be happy with third. He wants to win. But I think inside he'll be going, all right, this is what I know. When when push comes to shove, I can get this job done and when the, when the car shows him something, he, he'll get excited. And Mercedes are a great organisation. They'll get it back together at some stage and he'll go on to win his eighth world championship. All right, let's talk about McLaren. Uh, Piastri finishing in seventh um, and Norris with a great drive finishing in second. Piastri qualified 17th out of position because of what happened with Lance Stroll. Norris qualified fourth. I think that's the pace that was probably indicative of McLaren this weekend. Lots of DRS trains, lots of traffic to get in the way, but to go up 10 places, Oscar Piastri, take a bow, my man. What an absolutely phenomenal result. Freya, that was, it was good and exciting to watch his battles all the way through the field. The McLaren more generally still looking like they have the pace to be able to take it to at least to the podium more often than not. Yeah, so obviously Norris was running a whole heap of upgrades this weekend as well, which Piastri didn't have. And then even if he'd had them, you know, he was out of out of position for qualifying. So we could have seen what that looked like. Probably a good move for them that they went with with Norris, given what did happen in the end, because they were able to see the potential of the changes that they've made. So an outstanding result for Piastri, though. Ten places in Singapore, that is significant, and it didn't get mm. talked about enough. And I know that's our bias and whatever, but you can go listen to another podcast. That was impressive, <laughs> and they didn't say enough yeah. about it. <laughs> um I'm with you. So, yeah, a, a great result. And and you're on this track as well, right? So I think that's the other thing. Again, yeah. you've got those drivers who haven't been here before. So um, something that can make us all very proud. Yeah, absolutely. Campy, uh, it, it was good to see. And even I'm not sure if you saw the press conference after or him going to the media pen after Lance Stroll's crash, you know, he – he was a bit frustrated about the traffic jam, but everything else, but he was still very respectful to Stroll. There was no blaming him or anything else. Consummate professional through and through, this bloke. Yep, and he will be a God-tier level driver one day. So, yeah, look, it's frustrating for us as Aussie fans. Yeah, It's just a nightmare to watch because the, the, the McLaren's got pace and this was one of those – this is one of those tracks where we saw that his teammate got the result and Oscar's been right with Lando for the last four or five races. So, look, next year we'll see what happens. Different, It just didn't play out the way that he wanted to. Strategy-wise, I think he's great, was patient all race, did what he did when he could, made the moves when he had to and, uh, and, and got it done. Great drive. I mean, he was lucky too that he got some – extra places at the end because of some mistakes and knock-on and, and, and Russell and stuff. But still, I, I think he'd be frustrated with the weekend knowing what his teammate did and knowing how close he's been to him. So the only way is up for this kid, just all in perspective, and uh, he'll be fine. Let's wrap this one up with Ferrari, of course. Carlos signs pole and the win and the best hair and the best reaction by his dad watching from Extreme yeah. E who just won some – uh, extreme e races there, and then got himself sorted out. Everything about this 
whole weekend for Carlos Sainz couldn't be better. Uh, it is interesting, Campy. I'm really interested in your thoughts now because it feels like the tide has turned. Charles Leclerc is not doesn't feel like it's getting the preferential strategy that maybe he once thought or maybe we once thought he was getting from Ferrari this year. Yeah, well, Sainz is in his purple patch of the season. If you look throughout his career, he's always had this five to seven race stint where he's, you know, performing really well. Um, great to see him get a win. Stoked for him to see a win. Ferrari did everything that they possibly could have last night to give him that win. And we saw what happened to Charles. I mean, to lose 17 seconds to Max Verstappen over the last 10 laps and almost, you know, almost lose it. That's the difference, right? They threw everything in this race for Carlos Sainz to win it and they got the job done and Ferrari will look at themselves and pat themselves on the back and be happy and so they should. I love Sainz. I want him to stick around. Um, I think we've seen some cracks in Charles over the last five to six races. He hasn't put it together. Last week uh, um, at Monza, that battle was great and he was right on his teammate. But this week, he, you know, look, he might be having some demons inside of his head about what's going on within this team and I should be doing better. But the reality is you've got to beat your teammate and he might beat his teammate 60% of the time, but the times where he doesn't and they get the results like this, it's a shame for him. But uh, interesting to see what Ferrari will do. I probably thought Sainz was on his way out of the organisation, but the performances the last couple of weeks, in a couple of weeks, in Monza, the home of Ferrari, that does wonders for your public perception and then getting a race win the next week, well... It's a might be a bit of a dilemma for Ferrari moving forward. And Freya, the CEO of Ferrari, was there this weekend too. So to have that win, huge deal. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people saw that pan to his face and were like, that's not an excited face. That is one saying, please don't fuck this up. <laughs> so <laughs> so <laughs> absolutely stoked for signs. Do you know what I loved about this is that I think we can agree that he's shown at times throughout the season and obviously in previous seasons he's got great race craft. Um, I think one of the questions about him is if he really knows how to control a race and to win. There's a difference in being able to make some great passes here and there um, and actually being able to win races. And I think what he did today shows that he knows how to do that. He was tactical. He was incredibly strategic. He managed when he needed to. The way that he used DRS with Norris, which is I know, you know, it protected Norris, it protected him, but it's so impressive. And so I think it was a great sign of I can control a race and I think that's something we haven't seen enough of from him. And he hasn't been in the position to be able to do it necessarily for all sorts of reasons, Um, but I was really, really glad to see that and I think it would be so easy to let the perception of Leclerc being kind of the golden child go get to your head and kind of even if you don't accept it, kind of accepting that role as second driver, saying, like, I'm going to keep driving for Ferrari but accept that he's going to be this person. So the fact that he's not letting that in I think is also really impressive. So just all round hats off. And please take your hat off because we want to see the <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was a big brain drive, really, really great strategic drive by Carlos Sainz. Um, which means who is your driver of the day, Freya? Is it Carlos Sainz? It has to be Carlos Sainz. Mm. For all the reasons I just said, absolutely, hands down, he's my driver yes. of the day. Uh, I agree, but also very close second is Liam Lawson for getting two championship points. Campy? Oscar, because I'm biased. My man. 
Yeah, good, <laughs> as you should be. Uh, well, that's our team-by-team team analysis. Ferrari done were this close dusted. to stuffing this race oh, up, too. <laughs> they were this close, that close. And if I had it gone the other way, How geez, close was it? What would we be saying about them? This that close. close, yeah. That's really good for an audio podcast. For our YouTube viewers, there you go. You can see. Uh, well, that's well, it. I think my team analysis is done most people are intelligent dusted. and they'll figure out what I was trying to say. <laughs> it's nothing like a campy just late point, late point jumping in <laughs> over me trying to end the show. Let's have a look now at our fantasy, Tom DeLay, Jim. Tom fantasy DeLay. team name competition. Fantasy. 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 This Singapore Grand Prix in first was don't fuck strategy, Ferrari. They didn't. They were this close, though, apparently. <laughs> 315 points. Two times signs, yes. Piastri, Norris, Albon, Verstappen, and Ferrari McLaren is your team's. Very good choice. Uh, second, Super Karate Monkey Death Car. And third, Bricardo's kind <laughs> of back. Um, some other names that I found whilst going through, and thank you to you if you've changed your name, uh, Prancing Through the Night, Charles Lechere, <laughs> Old Man Rants at Racetrack, Sainzapore Sling, Lee Um, Lawson Um, Ted and Lando sitting in a tree, Team Anzac for the win, <laughs> Singaporing safety cars. Massive thank you to you if you have uh, joined our Discord server, joined our fantasy team name competition. You have being involved in this podcast is what we love. But that's it for this episode. Campy, thank you to you for finally joining us. Thank you for putting up with my BS this morning. It's, uh, it's very good of you. <laughs> always, always a pleasure. Freya, thank you for joining us. Well, I remembered that we were recording today, so that's helpful. Yes, always helpful. Sorry. And listener, viewer, thank you for joining us. Wherever you're listening in the world, it has been such a pleasure doing all of this Formula One season with you. And, of course, there is still more to come. We will see you next Monday. For another episode of the Lakeside Drive F1 podcast, if you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing. If you're watching on YouTube, it makes a big difference. We're trying to get to 1,000 subs. Uh, leave us a rating or review. Thank you to you if you've done that recently as well on Spotify. I can see that the stars are going up, which is fantastic. Um, and if you want to financially support the show, you can get a total ad-free version by going to our Patreon. The link is in the description. But don't feel like you have to. It just helps us keep the lights and the microphones on. But a massive thank you to you for listening and watching. See you very soon for another episode of Lakeside Drive. Yeah. All right, well, you guys do your thing and we'll go from there. All right, we'll just do it. Sorry, mate. That's all right, mate. Figure it out. Pisses me off. Oh, well, the good thing is I've recorded this phone call, so you'll still be part of the episode at the end. <laughs> All right, mate. Speak to you later. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.